wygramy, byle przepasane. Zjednaliska gajdzie, poza rozpalajcie. Ej, patrząc pierdolę drewno ci sobie, palmy ci sobie, bo już nie są trudki. Thank you, Jean Jerome. Thank you so much for picking that song. Oh my God, that was a real surprise. I knew, you know, as soon as I started hearing it, I thought to myself, this sounds very Celtic, but I said, if it's really Slavic, it's got to have a oi or a hua. And sure enough, I was not disappointed. <laughs> okay, there you got your hoi and a hua for tonight. And a hua on top of it all. <laughs> anyway, welcome everybody to another Friday edition of Ancestral Eyes. I'm excited because I have a fellow Slavic person, Patricia Robin Woodruff. Welcome so much. I love, I couldn't wait for you to come on this show. So welcome. I'm excited. Like I said, every week it's the same thing, but you know, anyone who's tuning in, you know, I get excited like a little rabbit, right? <laughs> so here I am. So Jean Jerome, welcome to my co-host. And welcome everybody. We're also very excited. We had a very good pre-show studio test with Patricia. We covered some very interesting subject matters and areas of re or research. So definitely it's looking forward really to tonight's show. Absolutely. She is, she is quite well researched. She has her PhD. Anyway, you know what, John Jerome, this is where I cue you to read Patricia's intro, please. It'd be my honor and pleasure. So again, welcome everybody to Ancestralize episode 21. It's amazing, eh? already 21 oh. episodes. Uh, we're delighted to have Dr. Patricia Robin Woodruff, uh, Lemko Bozorka is her spiritual title. Uh, Dr. Patricia Robin Woodruff is a polymath, author, artist, and priestess of Stone Circle Wicca, USA. She is known in pagan circles as Robin and in Slavic lands as Paraska. Her Lemko heritage from the remote Carpathian mountains started her on a path of intense study of Slavic magic resulting in her becoming a spirit-initiated Lemko Bozorka, a sort of shamanic witch. Uh, Patricia has been immersed for years writing the Roots of Slavic Magic series, while also obtaining her PhD, having read over 4,000 sources on the subject. Uh, Patricia can provide new insights into this ancient religion based on recent archaeological discoveries, newly revealed rituals, word origins, and analysis of petroglyphs. Uh, Patricia has found her work aligning with the work of Marija Gimbutas in her cross-cultural studies of old Europe. The Roots of Slavic Magic series will be starting with a large scholarly tome on the goddesses and gods of the Slavs. But because of the size of the work, it will take a little bit longer to be released. In the meantime, Patricia has recently released an easily understandable shorter version, Patricia's Guide to the Slavic Deities, coming in at 300 pages along with illustrations. It will give you a thorough understanding of the various titles of Slavic deities, free from the taint 
of white supremacy and nationalistic agenda, something which I'm sure we'll touch on during the show as well, that, that concept. Yeah. If you've never heard of Peru, Veles, Mokos, or Ziva, I probably butchered those names, but please forgive me. This is the okay. best place to start. And if you think you know them or know about them, be prepared for a whole new world of understanding to open before you, starting tonight with our guest, Patricia Woodruff. Yay! <laughs> That's all I can say. Yay! Okay. So obviously I'm excited because this is, you know, close to my heart being a Slav and meeting Patricia. I met her through a group, um, through another page. And, um, and I knew this, this woman knew her stuff. Right. And I thought, Hmm, what would happen if I sent her a friend request? Oh, she accepted. Ooh, and now I can talk with her and stuff. And oh my God, the wealth of information, just so that everyone knows, Patricia also is her, she founded and is the admin on um, the Polish mythology Facebook page. Isn't the it? Roots, no. The Roots of Slavic Magic. The Roots of Slavic Magic. Sorry. I, I, I'm on so many other pages, but I know that you run that and you have 2000 people okay that have been you know that you've accepted onto that group and that are enrolled on that page and we have a crossover because as an admin also on uh, Polish and Slavic paganism where I'm a moderator and one of the admin people too we have a lot in common okay so we're going to start there and uh, Patricia I'm very excited because like our pre-show Anyone who's been our guest, you understand our pre-shows. We, we, we test to make sure that the studio is, is, is right as far as connection, internet, etc. And we also get to know one another, but we also talk about the content. And, of course, we have a format within our show. So keeping to our format, um, we had some, some we, that I had asked Patricia, but it just went from there because of the wealth of knowledge of Patricia Woodruff. And so this is what I'm so excited about. Okay. So Patricia, I, I'm going to start at the basics that we, we ask everyone. And that is, how did you come to start this journey of yours, this amazing journey that brought you from your, your spiritual beliefs through to what it has become now. So if you could just give us the, the outline, uh, we've talked about it. So if you could, um, you know, take it from there and, and let us know, um, go, go right ahead, please. Right. So we have, we have from childhood. Um, I had imaginary companions and so forth. And, uh, I didn't realize actually until I started studying, shamanic stuff a couple of couple of years ago that oh these were spiritual guides <laughs> and um mm -hmm. you know they would come they would come and sort of teach me things and comfort me when i was upset mm -hmm. and it just sort of gave me gave me a little bit of knowledge there and you know i just looked mm -hmm. on them as imaginary friends and I totally can relate. Yeah. I started, uh, I was raised Roman Catholic and had mm -hmm. trouble 
from Sunday school, from when I was like five years old of, of asking too many questions and being like, well, explain to me about how this Trinity thing works and, and all. And they were just like, well, you have to take it on. And right. like, hmm, that means you don't really know. <laughs> and what's really yeah. funny is my husband pointed out that through all this research, I've actually now come to understand the Trinity or the triple God, triple goddess. And consequently right. I, I came back full circle. So yes. Yes. That was so kind of definitely from your, from your childhood to this and, and, and how you and your husband actually, can you sort of tell me about that? Because this is, you know, it's funny because a lot of us think that our, our journey is a personal one. Yes, it is. But sometimes along that journey, we also have, you know, significant other partners, we have friends or, or someone who influences us. But Patricia, yours is very unique in the sense that you and your husband did this journey together, right? Yeah, it's, it's wonderful that we were able to grow alongside of each other. I mean, sometimes you wind up growing apart and your journey no longer intersects and you go different ways. Uh, but we, we both were spiritually exploring. We both were checking out. We would go to different churches and experience, you know, listen to the sermon and so on. And we wound up checking out the Unitarian Universalist Church. This would have been when our children were, were little. And I was all excited because... I asked them afterwards, I'm like, well, so what do you have to believe? Like, what's your creed? And they were yeah. like, well, we don't have one. We, we just help you in your search. And I'm like, wow, that's great. This is terrific. Like it's the sort of spiritual home, you know, that, that helps me out. So I went calling up my uh -huh. best friend from high school. And uh, she she's like, oh, well, that, that's cool. I, I'll have to check it out. But I've also been kind of learning about this goddess stuff. And I'm like, really? Like, okay, yeah. well, tell me yeah. something about it. Yeah. So she had, she had wound up with a bunch of friends. They had formed their own little coven and they had found another place that was an interfaith group of earth, mm -hmm. earth religion, people practicing earth religion, but it was all different kinds. It was, mm -hmm. it was, uh, heathens and Santeria and uh, mm -hmm. the Strega, the Italian Strega. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So yes. we used we used Wicca as a sort of lingua franca <laughs> to to do ritual like a framework. Yeah. Like a framework. Yeah. Frame, you know. And but I also learned about all these various. Uh, paths and so we we kept on going we we have this wonderful community they're mm -hmm. known as the stone circle council and mm -hmm. um we're doing things a lot virtually now so yeah <laughs> that's great I think most people yeah 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 uh, so but there was also this one group that was more formalized that was the uh, Stone Circle tradition of Wicca, USA. Okay. 
in the USA now. It was expanding across the US. Okay. And, and they were doing classes. They do, they do them like every couple of years. Mm -hmm. And so at this point, my, my children are grown and I talked to my husband. I'm like, I would really like to take these classes. It's a five hour drive to get to them. And it's every month we have to do this, mm -hmm. but I would really like to. And mm -hmm. he's like, yeah, we'll, we'll do this. So it was nice. great because we would discuss the ideas in the car and everything else. But as part of this Wicca 101, <laughs> and, and, it, and it's a very, um, it's based on Gardnerian, but it's not like you have to do this, this, and this, you know, it's like very formal. Yeah. Like a typically formal Gardnerian. Yeah. It, it's not. <laughs> it's um, loose. Looser. Yeah. Right. And it is also very accepting of different uh, sexualities because everybody should be able to see themselves in the divine. Absolutely. So we, we took these classes and as part of the classes, they encouraged us to, rather than do cultural appropriation, to look at our own ancestry and see what mm -hmm. our, our pre-Christian traditions were in the ancestry. Mm -hmm. So I'm the oldest daughter of an oldest daughter and my mom is Lemko, which is this little known ethnicity up in the Carpathian mountains and all these different countries would attack and, and say it's part of our country. It was part of Ukraine. It was part of Galatia. It is now part of Poland. Um, but it's its own kind of culture and it has its own flavor. Uh, yeah. Language and language. Some people say it's a dialect of. I don't care. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not into any yeah. nationalist agendas, right? Right, right. Very international in in of itself in the Slavic land, so to speak, or you know. Well, my ancestors there were were for hundreds of years. We can tell that genetically. Mm -hmm. So, so I started. I'm like, all right. So, what did what did they believe? I guess they're Slavic. I don't know. What's the what? What you never get to, to learn that in school. You learn your Greek no. and Roman. I read the mythologies of the Norse deities. Of course, I knew mm -hmm. some Egyptian, you know, Egyptian mm -hmm. deities. Mm -hmm. And then I started finding all these these names online of like there's this whole pantheon and so and so and so and so and that's the mother of. And so I'm like, all right, let me let me learn about all these. Now I'm starting from complete scratch. My mm -hmm. the the only thing that managed to come down in my family was pasanki. And that if right. uh, you're Easter familiar eggs. is the decorated, very ornately decorated Easter eggs. And when we would do the Easter eggs, they have these books and they're like, oh, this is the symbol. This is the symbol of this. This symbolizes that. The sun symbolizes Jesus. And, you know, and I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure the sun symbolizes the sun, <laughs> you know. Um, so in, in doing this, I'm like, yeah. I could see the pagan symbols in there. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can only whitewash it 
for so long, right? <laughs> well, when you know what to look for, when you understand how the magic Absolutely. works, energy and things, uh, you can yeah. see that. So yeah, I, I started straight from scratch and I started with a little three ring binder and I'm photocopying things and putting them in. And I'm like, of course, I couldn't find a book. This is five years ago. Now, since then, there's been like a little bit. Yes, definitely. Again, some of it's got this neo-Nazi stuff. And, yeah. uh, and that's the unfortunate part. It's true. Because one is, one, he goes into uh, commandments and how women should wear the clothes of women and a white man should marry a black woman. And it's like, uh, no, the, the deities didn't like write this down, like, you know, mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, it, it, it was, it, you know, that's, that was the problem. I mean, I think that's a current problem because a lot of Slavic people looking for their roots um, you know, find it vicariously through other sources. Um, it's a sense of national pride. And with that, they, they get misinformation too from a lot of other groups that influence them in a very negative way. And like you, Patricia, when I first started looking into my ancestral roots, like I, I've said it to a lot of other people before, it was very, very hard to find uh, the information and what little bits we could find. And this was me and, and my friend, Christina Shabilska, and a few other people who we formed the Eastern European Kitchen Witches. Um, it was difficult to find that information, you know? So you had to really look, and this is something that you and I had spoken about. We really had to look at our own stories of our, um, what was handed down as folk tales, uh, you know, fairy tales, Slavic fairy tales, um, the roots of words, right? And this is where your information was coming from that, you know, you, you dug deep, you really went deep, you weren't, you, you know, like you said, instead of being influenced by these other groups, because there's, there's a few of them, I'm not going to name them, um, but the, the, their sources are very slanted because of certain deities even, right? If I'm not mistaken, that's the information. Those are the things that you have found, right? That I find very fascinating. And I totally, well, I totally get that. Go ahead. When someone is powerless, they look for some source of, of power, some, something that is going to give them strength. And so a lot of times it, here's a country and it's extricating itself from the USSR. And so we'll, we'll use Poland, for example, Poland, people in Poland, they're like, I want Polish guys. I want to go back to things that are, that are absolutely Polish. And it's like these borders, as I can tell from my ethnicity, these borders shift around all the time. So they did. when you say Celtic, the, the Celts started in what is now the Czech Republic. Mm -hmm. They expanded over Europe. Their beliefs were the same as the Slavs. Mm -hmm. And when I say Slavs, I, I use that really as, for lack of a better term. Now, Marie Gambugis, she 
came up with the term of old Europe. And yeah, the Indo-European, right? Right. Who, who are in, but it's actually, it's before the Indo-Europeans. It's pre, it's proto-proto Indo-European. Absolutely. <laughs> because just like the language, the proto-Indo-European language broke into the different languages, the beliefs did the same thing. They all believed the same thing. And then mm -hmm. they started to have their, their own names, their own titles for the, for the same deities. Right. But the roots of those words, this is what gave us the clues. And that's what you clued into. Right. Because very little was written down. It, it was, and, and the stuff that was written down was written down by the learned monks and priests who are not looking at it kindly. They are definitely not looking at it from uh, an archaeological or anthropological background at all. Yeah. Right. Or, or something They're going to put not, a slant on it. You know, some of the, some of the um, goddesses got written down as gods because the monks couldn't like comprehend that, that there was a goddess or they interpreted things in light of their classical Greek and Roman teachings. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, and, and go ahead. Um, so we have, so when I say Slavic, um, I'm basically saying the Slavic people kept the best record of traditions. They're very traditional. They did the same thing their parents did, their grandparents did, their great-grandparents did. And it was a repetitive, yep. Right. So what's great is you've got holiday things. We, we make gingerbread, right? We make gingerbread at Christmas. Yes. And in Slavic lands... They make gingerbread in the springtime. And mm -hmm. the reason we do it in both, both places is because the spring was considered the new year, right? This is when everything mm -hmm. starts to blossom and all that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when the calendars all shifted, they moved mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the new year to the winter solstice. And then even right. that started to get off because of their calendar keeping they they didn't account for yeah. well, leap years they went stuff. totally gregarian calendar and that was not what the the slavs had uh based their new year on right um you know that and it was the, like you said they understood the the cycles of the sun and the moon then they were just doing it based mm -hmm. on dates and that got them all off so we find the same mm -hmm. holiday traditions that can be attached to Easter, that can be attached to before Lent, that can be attached to uh, Christmas, mm -hmm. which was the same day mm -hmm. as solstice, and then they split those, and New mm -hmm. Year's. So the gingerbread Absolutely. was honey cakes, was spiced honey cakes that was served, that you shared with the deity. These were your offerings. Mm -hmm. This and you, you did it at, at at Christmas too. There was that the sharing of um oh what do they call it? Um 
the cakes, the the cookies, oh, pierniki, they were yeah, gingerbread. Cookies. Right, yeah, pretty decorated gingerbread. I got those in Croatia. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're traditional, right? But so this was you know, thousands of years. Exactly. So these are traditions that are passed down culturally, and you know. I know for a fact that you've also found that there is an actual written language of the Slavs. But before we get there, because um, I want to dive into this, I want to I wanted to to sort of reel reel us both back because we could talk on and on. I know you and I can yeah. about my journey, and I keep trying to tell you about the stuff. <laughs> I know, I know, and I love I love the stuff, right? I really do. So with your journey, your you and your husband, you're both you were both very dedicated to doing this. And then you took off in, on, on your path, like you said, because you were looking at the Slavic side to your roots, right? And, and you just delved right deep into this. This then became the driving force behind your own spiritual experience. And this is what I wanted to talk to you about, what that um, spiritual experience was, how did that happen for you? I know it's going to be a little bit personal because we kind of talked about that, right? But we don't have to go too deep into it, but it's that spiritual experience practices on a, on a daily basis, what they are because of your connection with the divine. But before you answer that, sorry, I just want to mention to people, um, StreamYard apparently had sent out a message saying that they had interruptions in their service, in their live streaming service. So if you see us suddenly going off, all three of us or one of us, just so that you know, our show is an ending. There's been some technical difficulties, okay? So anyway, just the heads up. Sorry to interrupt, but I just noticed because we both, all three of us kind of whirled out there for a while. So anyway, so getting back and there's Jocelyn Allen, my friend, blessings be from the driveway, <laughs> the driveway of my house. <laughs> Hi, Jocelyn. Anyway, I'm glad she's tuning in. So anyway, so going back to reiterate the, the spiritual journey, your spiritual journey and the driving force for that spiritual experience of yours and how that affected you and then became part of your spiritual uh, practice. Sorry. Go ahead, Patricia. Well, one, of the, one of the deepest things that I've experienced, and it's really hard to explain, uh, someone mm -hmm. said, there's your experience of the divine. There's your experience of the divine that you managed to put into words. <laughs> uh huh. And you know, each each layer gets a little bit further from what it is. But and then there's um, the actual experience, right? Right, and which is beyond words. But um, when I had met my husband, uh, there was a time where we were making love and all of a sudden I was like in the universe and mm -hmm. touched deity and could feel surrounded just by this sense of overwhelming love. Mm -hmm. And, you know, whether it lasted a second or an hour, I can't even tell you. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, when I sort of came back 
it was like, wow, you know, like, so I, and, and this happened to me twice, enough to reassure me that like the first time I was not crazy. Right. When you're making that connection with your spirits. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, it is, it just touched me so profoundly that I started when I, when I wonder what, what's up, I hit the books. So I start researching and I actually found a book of, of, on the topic called, uh, I guess, transcendental sex. When mm -hmm. love opens the veil, I think is what it's called. Mm -hmm. Other people have had the same sort of experience, but that, mm -hmm. that gave me this unshakable deep inside there's divinity. I have no doubt whatsoever. Uh -huh. um, I also, I'm not going to try to convince anybody because. No, because it's a personal experience and, and, and it was shared, you know, but it was your profound experience. And this is what I think you tuned in as far as your spiritual connection to your spirits had happened at that point in time. And, I know when we started to talk and you were, you were telling me about um, you knew that the spirits that had contacted you or that you came into contact with, they were the ones that were the driving force with you academically to turn around and, and delve deep into what became your, 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 your journey, but also your seeking of the goddess. And we had talked about the, the spirit. And when you talked about looking for the goddess, you also found the God, right? So with that practice, you know, with your daily practice, how did you make that connection with, with that spirit? Because I know we had talked about um, I think it was your connecting to your ma your main ancestral guide. So can you tell us a little bit about her? Because I find her fascinating. Do you want to mention her name or do you mind if I mention her name? That's fine. That's fine. Okay. This was the, the relationship that you had formed with Baba Boyko, I believe. This is what you had referred to her. She was the one that started to take, well, for me, I can see you taking that journey deep but it was through her and her guidance through some of the research that you delved into that when you stopped and you questioned it was answered by spirit and then you found confirmation in other things that you started to research right so right. if you could just tell us a little bit about about that spiritual guide and, and your connection well, it wasn't it wasn't as profound as you know doing well, never mind. I'm not going to say what I'm going to say, right? Um, but you know what I mean. It was just as profound an experience. In the course, again, of our, our classes in, in Stone Circle Wicca, they taught us about journeying and so on. So I'm mm -hmm. like, all right, I'm, I'm trying to find out this stuff that is not really written down. Mm -hmm. How do I how do I know that what I'm writing down is accurate? Like, how right. can I, you know, have the presumption of, of not growing up in the culture to come in and yep. say, this is, 
what all of our ancestors believe. Mm -hmm. And in the course of jumbling this around in my head, I'm like, all right, I will, I will do a journey and I will, I will get in touch with my ancestral, um, one of my ancestors who knew this stuff. Right. So in the journey, and, and I have this, this will eventually be in the book or books. Um, yeah. I had a visualization of going down a DNA staircase. And mm -hmm. at the bottom of the staircase, I met uh, Baba Boyo or Boyko, but mm -hmm. Baba. <laughs> and yeah, Baba. She, you know, she's, she teaches me things. And I'm a very scientific kind of person. So I'm like, well, this could just be my subconscious. It could be just like the left side of my brain communicating or the right side of my brain communicating with the, with the logical left side. Mm -hmm. but boy, she comes up with some profound things. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I also, I, I gather all this information, gather all this information. And I've always had strong connection with with my dreams i've had foretelling dreams i've had actual experiences where it's like that thing happened so i strongly believe in the power of connecting to your dreams and so i absolutely gather all this together gather the facts together and then i go to sleep and i was just like help me sort through this mm -hmm. and so i wake up in the morning and it's like oh okay that's what that is. I got it. Yeah. yeah. I got it. <laughs> um, and one of the, one of the examples I use, and it's a very clear example is in the course of the studies, I started to notice, well, I feel like the goddess led me to start with Jiva and Jibuk. And, and I yes. apologize if I mispronounce anything because it's all book learning. And yeah. I, I, I sometimes forget and read it the way it looks to me instead of remembering Absolutely. the pronunciation. But uh, I, I started with Jiva and Jibuk and developed a very strong relationship with Jiva. And I had never really had a strong relationship with the goddess. Like I, I really liked the green man because we lived for many, many years deep in the woods and deep in tune yes. with nature. Our, our house is self-sufficient and our daily chores and everything is totally dictated by what the weather is like outside. Much like what our ancestors were, right? Yeah. Right. And I feel like this all gave me a great insight because so many people mm -hmm. don't is the impact the stars have because we mm -hmm. don't see them where you're in the city you just don't you see maybe the big dipper but our our place in the in the mountains is actually in a dark sky area it's uh the dark sky area the darkest place on the east coast and in the winter time when the humidity is out of the air you can touch those stars like completely blanketed I and totally totally get that yeah yeah so you know that this is a profound influence on the early people who had even darker skies 
And, yes. and so many people yes. think the, the Zodiac is uh, Roman and Greek stuff. And it's like, no, no, it goes back way further. Anyway, that's back yeah. to the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. And we want to dive into the stuff. We really, really but do. Like, but like, it, like it, all my experiences has given me this perspective. I studied art and I studied art history and I'm looking at these ancient right. statues and understanding, you know, the, the goddess figures, figures, they call them Venus figures. I hate that because again, yeah. it leads you to think that Roman and Greek was the pinnacle of civilization. And yeah, this is not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so but I no, you're like right. The goddess was leading me to first start with Jiva and Jibug, which yeah. Jibug most of Jiva and the yeah. word Jiva. Okay, sorry, I'm going to interrupt. Jiva is Jiva, which is live and Stribuk, right? And I'll let you go from there, right? I was just saying the pronunciation. God. And how you can tell which is the older ones is. Jiva's the life, and he's the life god. Yes. Whereas later on, yes. when things shift, when the power dynamic shifts, we get words like god and goddesses. Mm -hmm. So the goddesses start from the god. We have man and a mm -hmm. woman, a not, woman. A not instead of the other way around, mm -hmm. where Jiva is light. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And this is how our deities are. are. If you know our language, we know then how our gods originated by the words. Jiva, okay, is life. The life-giving force, right? Sribuk, the air, sky. So... And here we have, right, exactly. Thank you, Jean-Jerome. Jiva, right? And right. Stribuk. Well, Stribuk is different right. from Sibug. Sibug is just listed but, as the god of love and marriage. And Stribuk, like, though, the one that Jean-Jerome showed there, that is the spirit of the winds. Remember yes. we were talking about that? Can you elaborate a little bit about that? Because I knew you had some really good stuff on that and, and, and where that took you, right? Because it's the root of the words, right? That was one where Stribug is not um, said to have a partner. And what I'm seeing over and over is it's God and Goddess partners. We have Parun mm -hmm. and Paranika. We have uh, Yerelo and Yerela. Uh, we have Lada and Lado. Yeah, Lato and Lada. That's right. right. Partnered. You so you see that that's over. So I'm like, all right, Stribug, Stribug. Who would Stribug be partnered with? It's like, well, Striga. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I woke and, up and this is where we were talking. Yeah, go ahead. With Striga. Oh, of course. You have the Italian Strega. You have the um, uh, the strigui, which got turned into like these vampire creatures, because yeah, all the yeah. magic workers got vilified. So they mm -hmm. they all 
under the same name. It's the god, the goddess. There's uh, an intermediary spirit that carries the same name and the magic worker. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. all have the same name. Mm -hmm. And I even just found mm -hmm. yesterday that Basorka, another synonym for Basorka, is Striga. No, really? Striga is a magic worker. But it is oh. also in the Rom in the Romani, in the no, but Basorka and Striga in po in the Slavic words, right? Not just Italian, right? This is the Romani. The the okay. gypsy okay, okay. slang term. You know, it's it would be ac more accurate to say Roma or the Romani. Right. There right. they have a supernatural figure called Basorka, who are these old oh. fairy women who exchange their babies, changelings, and another mm -hmm. name for them is Estriga. Ah, okay. So when okay. you're looking, you can find it. You've got Estriga Holda. That's another name for Frau mm -hmm. Holda. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. Frau Holda and the Perchta, Berta, they... Yeah. Wild hunt, and the wild hunt is the winds. It is sweeping up the souls. It is that wintertime goddess. And, mm -hmm. in, and in Italy, they uh, they use the term striga for a witch because the old mm -hmm. thing yes. used to use was Mara. And Mara got too bad of a rap like like in the U.S., we're reclaiming the term witch. But Mara right. Right. got too bad of a rap, so they stopped using Mara, just like the goddess Mara or Mora. Mora. And started which, using And it became also, um, just to interject, Mora Zmora, which in Polish is really a derogatory um uh, look at a woman, you know, like you zmora, right? My cousin used to always say that at me, <laughs> jokingly, you know, like you zmora, <laughs> and and it was the derogatory calling of a woman, right? But it was a derogatory calling of an elder woman, right? The wise woman, the Baba Yaga. We had so many names for for a lot of our um, our wise women, and and the the deities themselves, right? Because they all had their their purpose, whether they were elemental, right? Because our people were people of the land, right? The pol the poles, the pole, you know, pole pole is field, right? The fields. We were people of the field, right? Slav in general are the people of the word, right? We all spoke the same language. That's the similarity between all the Slavic people. So there's slight variations on the different deities if you go from one culture, one Slavic culture to another or another country. And even by geographical positioning, you're going to have slight variations. The stories may change a little bit, but they're, they're relatively similar, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that what you had found, Patricia? You think of it like your languages, right? You have in your languages, you have some words that are wildly different. And then you have mm -hmm. some that are generally the same, like uh, apple 
and and the Norse apple, uh, but mm -hmm. you have Ella and so on. Mm -hmm. But they all go back. They start going back. They start going back, and they go back to the Indo-European, and before that is the Proto-Indo-European, and before that is Proto-Proto-Indo-European. Mm -hmm. The deities did the same thing. And you move them all the way back, and then you're going all the way to to uh, to Mesopotamia, and you know you can see people, you know, and the I different influences, that. and from Africa, etc. Right? You can see the, you know, our lands, the Slavic lands, were so they were part of the trade routes. They were part of the Silk Roads. They were part of all the trading, you know, because when you look at, there was something I had posted on one of the Slavic, uh, my, my group and your group, I think I, I shared it as well. There's a woman there, you know, because uh, again, weddings, you know, the women are dressed with their beautiful headdresses and everything, but you see their beads and this is where their riches were, you know, like the, the Korale, you know, they were, they were, monetary worth right their coins everything around them it was the woman came in with a dowry but one of the pictures which i thought was absolutely fascinating cowrie shells where would you find cowrie shells if not from africa right so you know you kind of you start thinking there's been a lot of trades within you know People don't realize how much connection they don't realize it. Back and forth. Absolutely. Yeah. Like absolutely. It's a long but, way to walk to the store, and they would be walking mm -hmm. across the mountains and absolutely. So there, absolutely. Two comments <laughs> I just want to interject here. One from this is from Bath actually. It says it's been my observation that words that sound the same, regardless of the language, pretty much universally have the same root and are definitely related. That's from Beth. And then Dr. Jem Michael Salvato says, the difference in Italian is that the Mara are religious priestesses, not witches. The Italians have never embraced the wicked notion that witches were goddess worshipers. Strega is pejorative term we've reclaimed, which comes from the word screech owl. In authentic Italian craft, the old religion is separate and distinct from witchcraft, which has no religion, I'm sorry, no religion associated with it. Absolutely. That's from Dr. Thank, Michael you. Which is Thank you, Gian Michael. Thank you, Michael. Striga comes from the goddess, as does the name for the owl. They both come from the goddess's name. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. It was what they used, yes. Right. So they so, they were recognizing the similarity with the name for the owl, but that is not actually where it came from. Okay. So now I'm going to go back to 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 reel us back to your spiritual awakening and the spiritual awakening with regards to your books. Okay, you've written what is it four books, and your latest one is the Slavic deities, right? If I'm not mistaken. Kind right. of. I have seven that I'm concurrently oh working on. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So your spiritual awakening with your spirit really helped you dive deep into, and here's, here's, uh, here's your book, your latest book, um, right. Woodruff's because Guide kept, to Slavic. I kept trying to get out the information 
And so I decided that the first book was still going to take me a bit longer. So I put out a summary. So this is a, a concise summary of the sources that I was looking at uh, and, you know, some of the conclusions that I've come to condensed form. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the mm -hmm. Reader's Digest condensed version. Right, right, right. And I think I got the copy and I think Jean Jerome did. Thank you for that. Um, now, what was I going to say? With your, with your spirit guide and helping you come to your, your uh, academic studies and, and things like that, um, tell me a little bit about your initiation into the title of Lemko Borosoka. Borsoka, Borsoka. Sorry, even I'm having a hard time pronouncing it. <laughs> this because this I love this story because when you started to talk about this, right? I thought, wow, this is a different perspective. So go ahead. Well, I realized at its root, Slavic magic is shamanic. It is the religion yeah. of the indigenous people of old Europe, and it is, it is shamanic. Mm -hmm. Shama shamanism called to me in the course of my studies, but I didn't really have the time to, to do much research on it. Just a couple of your basic books, uh, Ingerman, mm -hmm. I guess is the one. You know, Sandra author. Ingerman's, yeah. 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 Uh, but before I even really started studying that, it was uh, through a dream again. Yes. And I had like this most dream. Of us. Yeah. Right. I had this dream and I sort of slid backwards on the ground down to the edge of this river. And it was like the early springtime where you have the snow melting, the snow's melting, but there's also green things coming up. And I could see these invisible footsteps going through the snow, approaching mm -hmm. me. And I could feel this presence that was next to my head. And I would say it is essentially like a vila, as I would imagine a vila. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. She asked me, like, is it okay? And I didn't know what she was talking about, but I was like, yeah. And the spirit at my feet, at my, my feet there, chopped off my feet and put it into this ring of flowers where they dissolved into sand. And then she said, is it okay? I'm like, yeah. And it chopped off my knees and put it into the ring of flowers and dissolved into sand. And then, you know, she, I was like, yeah, yeah, this is, this is amazing. I mean, and, and my whole body was dissolved into sand. And then my consciousness could, could um, be set, set free. You were dismembered. It was, it was a total shamanic dismemberment, which most people find traumatizing. But what I found was refreshingly different, Patricia, was your welcoming of it. You know, that sheer, you know, I was like, really? <laughs> and it was in the wildflowers. It was, it was dumped into a, a circle of wildflowers. And 
And then the sand, then they dumped the sand into the river and I was like reconstituted. Right. And so, but there's certain dreams that are, uh, I can tell that are important dreams. They're like incredibly vivid. They're, they're mm -hmm. just like ultra color and everything. So mm -hmm. I talked to my, my mentor in my class and I'm like, I had this really strange dream. And he said, why don't you look up shamanic dismemberment? I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, I know nothing mm -hmm. about this. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're, they're all talking about these horrible experiences <laughs> and whatnot. But essentially to become a shaman, uh, to become an, uh, basically it's a witch, but it's a witch who works with spirits. Like you can mm -hmm. be just mm -hmm. a magic worker. You can just do right. magic, but you may not connect with the spirits. So it's mm -hmm. like these two levels. Uh, but you definitely and, were initiated by spirit. Right. And uh, that was just, it was just an amazing experience. <laughs> but, but I've also seen it in the literature when, when you have things in tales where Baba Yaga will take, will put like a, a stick in a person or a, a bone in a person or in some of the tales Perkta, who's an, uh, just another name for Spriga, she'll slit their belly open and put rocks inside them. Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. it is in storytale form is a shamanic initiation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Baba and, Yaga with her, you know, with her three three-footed house, right? and what she would do with children or what she would do with, you know, a young woman, right? Because there's a lot of Baba Yaga stories and her association. I think the Russian, there's a Russian uh, Slavic mythology. Um, oh, what's what's the young girl's name? Va Vasilia? Vasilisa. And Baba it's that what is it? Vasilisa? Yes, like Vasilisa. Yes, and Baba Yaga, right? So yeah. we're looking at the, the crone speaking to the maiden, right? If you want to look at it in goddess, goddess worshiping, you know, uh, through those eyes, right? Um, that's how we're looking at it, right? Is, is, is exactly what Baba Yaga is doing, right? So and, anyway, I, I, I don't mean to dive. No, that's okay. One of, the, one of the really important things that I think uh, people need to know is that the, the the idea of the triple goddess mm -hmm. is based on that there's a uh, three part year. First, first we have mm -hmm. people believe in a two part year. When you're herding, you take the herds out at the beginning of May and you bring them in at Samhain, and that divides mm -hmm. the year into two. You have the summertime and the wintertime. There's our our Baba Yaga. She's uh. She's the there bird. She is. When you when you see the old statues, the Neolithic statues mm -hmm. that Buddhist comes up with and says that's the bird goddess, that's who they're talking right. about. And that's what Maria Gumbutas, who was the uh, anthropological uh, um, 
researcher with the Balts as well as the Slavs. She's written two books, and that's where I got a lot of my source information when I was delving into, you know, my roots, my my uh, ancestral roots, right? And I would like to emphasize, I actually did not read her stuff at first. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I've only read a, li a little bit of her stuff since then. But everything I stumbled I on her later. Okay. Everything I kept finding, somebody would say, oh, this back. And that Gim Buddhist came to. And I'm like, oh, this right. is interesting. So I purposely did not mm -hmm. read her so as not have it mm -hmm. influence my research. Mm -hmm. um, right, right. I was led to her. We were going along the same path. Right, right. Because of your research in that. So I now I want to get into the more nitty gritty stuff. And this is where I'm going to ask um, Jean Jerome to sort of take over in that sense in in drawing the, the, the conclusions. But I'd like you to also tell us a little bit more about the Slavic, um, not just the Pantheon and, and what we had already talked about. Well, we talked about privately. That's what I want. I want to expose a little bit more because we were talking about um, um, the the Slavs having, you know, how we 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 look at the runes being, um, you know, Germanic in background, and we have the Ogham uh, alphabet, and we have different alphabets. And you had found some inf some interesting information as far as the Slavic runes were concerned, correct? Yes. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. That will be like I think that's book seven. <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. I don't want to. I don't want you to break any, um, you know, secrets or anything like that of the books that you're coming I, I out with. But information. This, um, when you think of the first writing, everybody always kind of thinks, well, probably Babylonian, like Syrian, something like that, right? Mm -hmm. It actually turns out the first writing is from the Vinca culture which is located, uh, I think it's Ukraine. That's the first place. Yeah, they Black, have it. The Black Sea. Right, around the Black Sea. Everything sort of keeps coming around the Black Sea. And when you say, where was the first metallurgy? You're like, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, down in the Fertile Crescent or something like that. No, it turns mm -hmm. out it's right there, like on the edge of the Black Sea. Right, right. And then that's where I, your research had taken I, you. I found it. out there's this theory that a guy proposed about 30 years ago called the Black Sea Hypothesis. Right. Yeah, that's the Vinca culture. Um, and they're, they're, they actually have the first, first form of writing. And I have just embar started embarking on how that writing is connected mm -hmm. to the runes, is connected to Egyptian hieroglyphics, <laughs> and linear A and linear B. Uh, one of those has been translated. I think it's linear A was translated. I think it's linear B that hasn't been translated yet. Yeah, but okay. Okay. Some of those oh, yeah. okay. are actually starting to become familiar to me. And there's definitely some 
really cool clues hidden in here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, Interesting. now by, by date, they're pretty close. Because mm -hmm. uh, Sumerian, the first Sumerian cuneiforms, like Sumerian, not Babylonian, Sumerian cuneiforms were probably are, are dated about 4,000 to 5,000 BC. So they were, the question is, you know, how much time was there for migrate? And these, these civilizations were fairly distinct in other aspects, right? So the question is, did they develop at the same time or did, was there some sort of earlier migration? Which way did that migration go? The beliefs right. are really the same. They have completely yeah. different names. Yeah. And this is an important part. Correct. What is the power of the word? And, and I'm sure you know, as a witch, the power of a word and the power of a true name. Mm -hmm. It's not that people didn't know how to write. It's that it was mm -hmm. so powerful. Mm -hmm that when you wrote it down, it was, it was making the thing real. And so this was right. not giving it life. Right. You didn't write down what you had for lunch because this is, this is high magic. This is powerful magic. Mm -hmm. They were using these symbols that also mm -hmm. represented words that represented concepts. I mean, the runes mm -hmm. kept that really well, that they are both, a letter mm -hmm. and an entire concept in and of themselves. Right, 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 right. Uh, Absolutely. So I, I can see where some of it goes over. The Egyptian, they actually take some of these symbols and they draw the whole thing out. Like, um, mm -hmm. have a Absolutely. hand, make sure they draw the whole hand. It's almost like a story in itself, right? Instead of, yeah. But no, and there's some fine examples of that. A, mouth, a mouth would just be the, the kinas would be the open mouth. Mm -hmm. um, now, <clears throat> speaking of the alphabet and, and some of the, the symbols, you know, as, mm -hmm. as you know, when we let's take it back to the Pisanki, Pisanki and the different symbols that we have, okay, and each symbol. Pause there. Don't don't make that picture go away. Go ahead with the pisanki. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave it there. So when you look at the pisanki and the different symbols, okay, and each um, each tribe, each Slavic tribe or even village, okay, and family had their own um, uh, embroidered uh, uh, symbols, and they Pattern. would reiterate them. Patterns. They would reiterate them in their clothing because it was all about protection. So their yes. pieces of clothing that they wore, their jewelry that they made, okay, all had these, these symbolic uh, uh, symbols, okay? And they were runic in a sense, right? Exactly. And they had meant um, a whole lot of things. I mean, I, I, I know there's some things that I wanna start writing about um, on, on my own group about these things, right? Um, but the one important thing that I wanna want to uh, point out is in regards to some of the symbols, like for example, unfortunately, because of what happened during World War II and the Nazis rising in power, taking essentially a Slavic symbol, okay, 
a solar symbol and we know what that all looks like, okay? And they turned it and it was a solar symbol and they turned around and they, well, it was a swastika and that's not what its original intent was. And basically this is where, again, you, you, you give rise to that sort of ethnic Aryan purity. And unfortunately in some of the Slavic groups that I have come across in Europe are very um, nationalistic. And, and I think it has a lot to do with, with their sense of pride. But getting back to the symbols, I don't want to take away from, you know, what you're saying, but looking at the symbols here, Patricia, tell us a little bit about, <clears throat> about them. Uh, well, you can go into this, the swastika. That actually mm -hmm. is the name of a Slavic deity. So ah. we tell because uh, people in uh, with scan Sanskrit and stuff that it's gone down into Hindu, they also right. use it as a good luck symbol. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, but I can the Nazis tell ruined it. You know, yeah, it did. And there's there's something called semiotic density, where it's explain that it's yes rut that builds up in the magic. So you can use something that people have used for thousands of years and it and it happens easier because they've all done it. It's all all the power is sort of stored up there. So what the what the Nazis wound right. up doing is derailing, making that sort of jump the rails and and putting this whole perspective of hate and um, persecution and all that power onto that symbol. So if in your own mind you don't think that way, you could use it. But most of us mm -hmm. are automatically, see that symbol, you're, you've got this powerful association with what was done and, and all the murder yeah, that was negative. Absolutely. And so while it is an ancient symbol, I wouldn't use it in the magic because it doesn't hold that same energy anymore. In my head, it doesn't. Absolutely not. And mine either. It's it's forever ruined. Right. It got jumped off the rails <laughs> mm -hmm. in the energy. But one of the symbols I wanted to point out here is uh, down in the, the lower right-hand corner is a symbol of a bird. You see that? Yes. Right. Is that the one? That's right there. A, yes. That is a symbol for the bird goddess. Mm-hmm. One of the symbols. And what what is this alphabet? Is this an alphabet or symbols of Sla of Slavic tribes? Vikas. This is the Vika. This is a Vika. Oh, the Vika. Symbol. Yes. So the this the culture was in that area. This okay. was the from the from the glyph from the uh, the, the little uh, cuneiform type or symbolic uh, okay oh i see the writing at the bottom the terracotta so they would find them on this type of in bulgaria and serbia this is they would find these tablets if you okay. will in the vinca culture okay i yeah, see the writing at the bottom there too okay right so that that bird symbol i was my brother-in-law is an astronomer 
And he has mm -hmm. this really cool program because we're talking these beliefs go back thousands of years. Mm -hmm. He has this mm -hmm. really cool program that shifts the sky, the night sky, to let you I see know the what program. Yeah. would have looked like 6,000 years ago. All right. Well, because of uh, I don't know that program. What's I'm trying to think of the scientific principle now. The sky shifts. All right. So mm -hmm. back six thousand years, um, people have said the swastika looks like the Big Dipper around the four seasons of the year, rotating around the polar star. Except five, uh, 6,000 years ago, it did not look like that. We had no polar north star. What we had was the constellation of Hercules was there. Of the Hercules? Yes. The, the stars revolved around basically this figure of Hercules. Sorry, where was that? So how does that link with this bird? About 6,000 years ago. Sorry, when, when, when? About 6,000 years ago. But that was- But where? But where, where, where did, like, for you to use the name Hercules, where, where are we talking? Which culture, which location, locality? Well, it is now the constellation of Hercules, but okay. it's always been seen as a constellation of a man with a club. Okay. Over where? Greece? Over Eastern Europe? Or where exactly? Right. We we did it from Poland, I think. We kind of we're looking around, okay. you know, that central kind of area. So what probably happened is this figure, this was a god figure, because the world that the whole sky revolved around this this figure, right? He became Perun with first a club. He is depicted sometimes with a club and then this hammer and then the axe. Okay. So how is it linked to the, to the bird, to the bird symbol here? The, I was looking at that, how things had changed. One of the things that stayed the same was the constellation of Cygnus the Swan, which looks just okay. like that. Symbol. Right. Right, Cygnus, Cygnus constellation. Yes, exactly. Cygnus the Swan. Now, in Proto-European, they didn't have uh, the same word was used for swan and goose. It was just a mm -hmm. water word. The same, mm -hmm. the same word was okay. used. So, in the lore, we have the swan associated with the bird goddess. We also have the mm -hmm. goose associated with the bird goddess. And the constellation, I believe, wasn't it the constellation Aquila in south in Poland, down south towards the Black Sea, if I remember once doing research on that, if I'm not mistaken. Correct me if I'm wrong, Patricia. I, I'm not, that's not ringing a bell for me right at the moment. Okay, um, okay. But one of the things is, is the constellation of Cygnus the Swan is right there on the Milky Way. Mm -hmm. Now, the Milky Way is known as the Bird Way. The Finns remembered it and called it the Bird Way. 
Oh. And it eventually kept on changing and became the Milky Way. And it's also called the uh, the cart. But we're talking beliefs that existed before the wheel was invented. All right. Mm-hmm. So the cart, it could not have been the cart way back. It had to have been something mm-hmm. else. So the, the Milky Way was one of the earliest. Uh, I'm sorry. The, the bird way was one of the earliest names for this path. Mm-hmm. Well, and of course, they use the constellations to travel, right? Right. And the constellation, the, the Cygnus, the swan, it takes the souls along the birdway to the, to the other world, to the spirit world. Okay. Right. So these winged beings, the vela, and, mm-hmm. and whatever, however forms they turned into, they turned into the Valkyrie. Yes. They turned yes. into the genie of uh, Mesopotamia. They're, they're, they actually became these big dudes with wings, big muscular the Anunnaki. guys. The Anunnaki. I'm not familiar with that. I'll have to look that up. Yeah, it is. It is the Anunnaki. It is. So those, those the are Anunnaki. The yeah. In Sumeria. That's, that's, that's an area of a lot of research over the last three years for myself and also Danielle for for him for almost six, seven or eight more years. So yes. the birds when they when they migrated, they were thought mm-hmm. to travel to the spirit world. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why you ask the cuckoo, this is a, a Polish tradition, I believe, you ask the cuckoo how long until you get married, and then yeah. based how long the cuckoo calls is whether it's going to be short time or long time. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. In Germany, when you when you say like God knows, the expression they use is only the cuckoo knows. Right. That's right. because there's a to the goddess. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of association with right. birds and the Slavic uh, peoples. Right. I mean, look at our look at the flag, the eagle, the white eagle and its own mythology and its own story. And when you look at um, birds that are sacred in Slavic lands, the Bochane, which are the the storks, the famous storks. Right? And again, migratory bird. Abs- yes, absolutely. absolutely. And they bring absolutely. back the souls of the babies that are gonna be reborn. Ah. That drop down the chimney into the home and-, and That's right, that's right, right. that's right. Cause that's, that is how they looked at it was the, the, the birds were the messengers from the heavens, right? right. Which here we have our, our connection, Jean-Jerome mm-hmm. to in African culture, right? The EME, the mothers. That's right. Right. Correct. The birds. Right. Right. The bird women. The Adjie. What they call the Adjie. The Adjie, which are the birds. Yeah, absolutely. And you can even see it in the New World with the the mound builders. The mound builders have one of their mounds built so that at the winter solstice, the uh, the Milky Way lines up with this mound. And that's when the souls are supposed to travel along the Milky Way to go to the spirit world. Okay. 
and then to come back. Yeah. So Jean Jerome, I'm going to I'm going to let you speak, you know, if you'd like. <laughs> Cuz no. I I I took I took Patricia, I did my side of the job. I took Patricia. I made her take that personal journey and tell us about your background and everything. Um, you know, it was hard. It was very hard for me. And I know it was very hard for you because Patricia has done so much research in, in, in this way. And I have one of your books, which I really love, The Slavic uh, Moon Meditations. Okay. Uh, your latest book, The Slavic Deities. Can you give us the titles of a couple of your other books before Jean Jerome sort of takes over and intercepts the uh, the conversation we're having here? Oh, well, before I got into the Slavic stuff, there was um, uh, one, one book I wrote, and it's called The Call of the Spectacled Owl, and that is my spirit animal. And I actually wound up picking, picking it up in Peru. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, a Slavic witch with a Peruvian owl. Um, Go figure. <laughs> but but my uh, my daughter had wanted to do a coming of age trip, and she was going to go to the Amazon jungle when she turned twenty one, and she was going to do this this trip with her cousin. Well, her cousin wound up not being able to do it, uh -huh. so I'm like, well, I'll go with you. And nice. so my daughter and I went to the jungle and my daughter describes the book as mom's spiritual journey with amusing commentary by Coriander. <laughs> so she is, she is funny. And so while I was there, I found uh, these ancient uh, vessels that uh -huh. they used and they kept, they sort of kept, um, built up spiritual connection in these vessels. Because I'm like, why would they find it so important to do this really complex? Because it's a it's a complex vessel. It's not just a, a spout or whatever. It's like got a double spout and connection and, and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's a container then. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. And that there's there's a whole lot that's interesting about that. So that was one of the things I got into but while i was there uh we did an ayahuasca ceremony wow uh, you did yeah <laughs> oh my god patricia you didn't tell me that <laughs> i love it <laughs> well, it wasn't as what profound as a lot of people have had experiences it was okay uh, just i just kind of spaced out but in the course of doing that uh the ritual with the, with the shaman there right outside called the spectacled owl mm -hmm. and i'm like okay i hear you i'm listening all right and then later on when i looked up the owl is a messenger from the spirit world and, and brings information and so uh, we've developed a rapport and and work together <laughs> interesting i have too <laughs> yeah um, so, so anyway Go ahead, Jean Jerome. Or, or, or sorry, no, you have other books. Sorry, Patricia, my fault, my fault. Yeah, so it's the Spectacled Owl. And again, right. oh, one of the other things in Peru is they have the same concept of the the world tree. They have the same concept of Pachamama, who's the, the Earth Mother. They mm -hmm. have the same 
animals because in the underworld we have the snake they have the anaconda for the mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for the main world that their animal would be the uh puma the mm -hmm, mountain. Mm -hmm. So just to be just to be precise, because uh, we, we're speaking of Peru, yes. you're speaking more of the Inca, the hereditary Inca culture, correct? The Inca Trail. Is it the Inca Trail? Yeah. And because there were two, yes. two yeah, there were two major cultures in, in Peru. South Central America, but in South America, <laughs> in, in Peru, it was Inca, it was the Incas that were the 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 main uh, mm -hmm. um, original civilization, very sophisticated civilization, right? But they also have the overworld. They have they use yeah. the condor as we use yep. the, the eagle. The eagle. That's yeah. That's right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. That's no. under Inca. The reason the reason I'm sort of sort of picturing that is that our last guest was uh, Claudia. Uh, and mm -hmm. she was uh, a Maya Ashki, and that was the culture was from you know uh, Mexico, but also from Guatemala, where there's you know still Mayan pyramids and everything else. The other major, there were many uh, indigenous groups and civilizations, mm -hmm. but some of the oldest, the most pronounced and most elaborate. Also, the Incas have a great deal in terms of in the records, in terms of medicine, in terms of uh, basically treating. There is even Inca tools for uh, basically doing brain surgery. Wow. Uh, wow. So, so when we're talking about, we, we had this discussion before that, you know, as we look at, I mean, right now we're, we're looking at sort of the, the Slavic and, but also we branched out as, you know, your research took you on, you know, different, looking at different mm -hmm. other cultures in terms of Mesopotamia, Egypt and other, mm -hmm. other areas. Um, but at the same time, and you know, roughly, roughly fairly old uh, civilizations as well. Uh, you had major indigenous with the Mayans and the Inca. Uh, mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. and as you say, when it's interesting that you go to Peru, uh, having done all this research prior, you know, in terms of the areas of uh, Slavic belief and. And origins and everything else, and then, but you're finding in terms of the actual mythos and the actual cosmology, uh, you're finding a lot of the same relations and concept. So that would really bring me to a discussion we had uh, when we did our pre-show, which was mm -hmm. uh, the whole concept. This is something hotly debated always, mm -hmm. you know. When you go, you know, and it, and it deals with a lot of it with, you know, you know, concepts of cultural appropriation, when you tap into your own spirituality, when you tap into, again, you've done uh, a great work in terms of trying to document or redocument, uh, you know, Slavic gods or divinities and all that, that, you know, may have been forgotten or lost in the, in the culture, in the general culture and so forth. But one of the things we talked about is, and I'd like us to, to to chat about that is really, you know, from all this research, and since you've already engaged, like myself, <laughs> a lot of comparative, uh, you know, studies. Um, the, the really the concept in terms of your 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 own both academic, but 
also intuitive and spiritual conclusions. Yes. The concept of the spiritual archetypes, right? Mm -hmm. which, which is, you know, for many, you know, there, there, I, we discussed, I'd say two major schools of thought, right? Mm -hmm. One school of thought says, these are our gods, they're local gods, you know, they, they deal with, you know, the local, you know, um, tribes, you know, culture, tribe, ethnicity, mm -hmm. and so forth. Yet, it, it's time and again, across every culture, whether it be in, in, in Ifa, Orisa, Vodou, uh, Inkisi, um, now the Slavic, uh, the Norse, the Germanic, the Mayan, there the are Siberian shamans. There's Siberian shamans, the Tuva shamans, the Sangoma, right? Yeah. You find that there are key areas where the attributes, characteristics, powers, governance of the divinity, you know, basically are inescapable. Whereas you just talked about one, you know, uh, mm -hmm. one example is the the prevalence and the and the presence of the serpent. Almost in every culture, the serpent is a major, uh, you know, divinity, and usually linked with uh, rebirth, uh, mm -hmm. a knowledge or a link between the two worlds. Uh, in some healing. cases, even healing. Uh, mysticism mm -hmm. or magic, like ancient wisdom. Um, mm -hmm. Really, the serpent only becomes demonized. And, mm -hmm. and I'll get to that part later. Um, mm -hmm. you know, through the narrative of the Christian faiths, right? And, and, right? and as well, later on, the Islamic and everything else, where the, the, these creatures that possess enormous amount of wisdom, power, they're extremely old. They have an ancestral wisdom in themselves, and mm -hmm. they are oftentimes the intermediaries of the spirit world and the earth in our realm. Mm -hmm. Are you know found in all of these different uh, places? Your your idea or opinion? Archetype or completely separate divinities and deities that just roam the earth? And and again, I say this in two two senses. One, it's one thing to look at things archaeologically. It's one thing to look at things as, you know, like they would many school children do today, uh, mm -hmm. you know, mythology, Greek Stem. mythology, Roman mythology, Egyptian mythology, et cetera, et cetera. It's another thing what we're talking about, the purpose of the show, which is, you know, the, the survival of the spiritual connections, practices, and, and energies that you're working. This is not, you know, a theory. It's not you know, a, a fairy tale or folklore, there are energies and spirits that exist. Like, and then for anybody listening to us, we're not just talking about, not just the academic dimension, the academic dimension to record, to look at, explore, compare, mm -hmm. really looking at the ex experiential, uh, you know, the, the ability mm -hmm. to experience those energies and that. So from your own intuition, what, what, how do you look at it? How do you look at that phenomenon? What, when I said I felt like Jiba had picked me specifically because she, she needed to get this message out. Mm -hmm. Before I started studying the Slavic stuff, I had had this experience 
my, my spirituality was very much related to the creative force. I'm, I'm also an artist. And a wonderful and, artist. Thank you. And um, that act of creation, we continue that act of creation all the time in everything we do. Absolutely. So, uh, and I got this from the artist's way was very instrumental for, for me mm -hmm. in my spirituality. I mean, it's a self-help. Being an artist. Right. Yeah. Being an artist. But um, it also really solidified a bunch of things for me. And one morning I was doing the, an exercise, which is a stream of consciousness writing. And I had this experience that I have to imagine is something similar to like the Buddha under the Bodhi tree where everything just fell into place. Mm -hmm. And I saw like, here's the big bang. And if you think mm -hmm. of the big, bang, this energy going out, that this energy is actually deity or love or whatever name you're going to give it. Right. Right. It explodes outward because it wants to experience things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And matter and energy, we know, are the same thing. One mm -hmm. turns to the other. So this energy mm -hmm. goes out and it forms into stars and planets and everything else. Mm -hmm. And we have the earth and we have the sun and we have the energy of the sun that hits the earth, that turns into plants that we eat, mm -hmm. that we turn into mm -hmm. us, and mm -hmm. we do this creative force by- We become part of that. And building houses and having babies and, you know, whatever- it's cyclical. Right. So this was a deep part of my understanding. So then I'm in and I'm studying the Slavic stuff and I come across there's the bear. The bear is very sacred. Remember how like mm -hmm. the puma is like their main big animal? Mm -hmm. Well, in the Slavic lands, it was the bear. Mm -hmm. And the bear is never called by its true name because it's too powerful. If you would invoke the bear, it would come to you. Our word for bear actually comes from the nickname of the brown one. In Slavic lands, they're called a honey eater. Medved. They're Medved. Nicknames. Yeah. Right? Medved. Yeah. Oh, thank you for pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all, they're all, in some countries, they call them uncle or whatever, but they don't use the real name for the bear. Mm -hmm. So, Proto Indo European, they it's think, name. they think that the true name of the bear was something like. Arthur, the name Arthur comes from the bear. Arctic. Arthur. Right. right. Okay. Arctos. Something like that is the name for the bear. And I was thinking, if the name of the bear is so darn sacred that nobody uses it, these are not names of deities. These are all titles. And if you read, when you're reading about the deities, the first thing everybody says is Jiva means life. Uh, Mora means death. 
we are referring to them all the time by their titles. We are not using their true names. Okay. And as a title, right, as a title, that winds up changing in different languages. So my, when I was little, I was called Patty. Mm -hmm. My children call me mom. That's a title. My husband calls me sweetie. So if you were looking at this and you were looking at the lore and you said, here's sweetie, she's a completely different goddess. She deals with, with love and sexuality and everything else. And then we have mom and she deals with maternal stuff. She feeds people, you know, she takes care of them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they develop to give us what we need that mm -hmm. part of the divine become mm -hmm. the mother goddess. And this mm -hmm. part of the divine becomes the springtime lover, the, the, mm -hmm. the goddess, God. right? Mm -hmm. But they're the same ones. It's just mm -hmm. different mm -hmm. ways for us to approach the divine because it's too huge. It's mm -hmm. too huge. You have this little mortal brain and, and mm -hmm. brain. So, so you, so getting back to what Jean Jerome said, so you think that looking through your eyes, it, it's the whole concept of the divine that we as humans are trying to interpret. Right. And is that how you would look at it, right? Right. And, 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 and we're limited because of our own limitations, right? Yeah. But so, so basically in, in a nutshell, we, we, your your description is very apt because the Yoruba are very uh, very known for the, uh, giving appellative names, uh, honorific names, to their Orisha, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, uh, and quite right. often, you know, they they the appellative name or the, the honorific name uh, became later on in in many uh, even a path if you will, the concept of a path of Orisha, very prominent in Afro-Cuban, Ifa, Regla de Ocha, and Santeria, however you want to term it, that the term of path is very, very, very similar to what you described. It describes a different facet, but you can have all these names. You can have, for instance, for Obatala, Oshagrinyan, Obalofun, uh, they all represent a group of Orisha this called Batala, right? The, but they represent the spirit of purity, the spirit of whiteness, or Yaguna, right? All, again, one re representing the warrior aspect, one representing the, the statesman, one representing the orator, one representing the peacemaker, one representing, uh, you know, all different, the, the elderly, the old one, almost the, 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 uh, the wise, old, very old, the oldest path. But again, the, the, the energy, the energy that's being invoked, although you know there's the, the, they played a different role. Some cases they say you know a different incarnation, and many times mm -hmm. they make their appearance in a different mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. uh, for many in the original, Obatala is Obatala, right? They, they don't believe in the path. In other words, at the end of the day, it's it's the same divinity, right? It's one, it's Obatala. Right, but then you see Obatala, one of Obatala's main characteristics, as we call it, 
Magbo, the ancient one of days. One of the main things is that he's attributed and is to be the, the potter, right? And that mm. imagery of a divinity who, who molds the human being mm -hmm. is not was not you know exclusive to the Yoruba, right? Because on Elephantine mm. Island, there is a divinity, uh, an Egyptian deity called Kum, which was basically the potter, the heavenly potter. And like that, you'll find many divinities whose function, description, and role is so blatantly close and and their the overall spirituality when you invoke you know so similar that at the end of the day when you look at it through a spiritual archetype right and you shed a little bit of the the cultural sort of uh, paper mache or wallpaper if you will and you strip away that wallpaper, you get mm -hmm. to the essence, the raw wall, you notice, in my opinion, I've always said, it's the same archetype. It's the same spirituality. It is. The same consciousness you're tapping into just manifests in a different way. And Absolutely. not even that, in, in, the, in the Catholic Church, there are any number of names for Mother Mary. Our Lady of Charity, Absolutely. Our Lady of Asolva, Our Lady of Guadalupe, yeah. and everything else. To all of these different people, right? They they swear by their Chestagova, their their Guadalupe, their you know their uh, uh, Lady of Charity, or Regla, etc. But at the same time, the consciousness that it that it's tapping into is the same. And it's interesting how Absolutely. You know, even so many times, like if we look even between. The, the Vodou uh, in Benin mm -hmm. and under the, the phone way and the Yoruba, you know, things like Shango, the energy or the archetype of Shango and that mm -hmm. of Evioso, right? Another divinity in Ife, which is, have been forgotten, which we call Oramfe, which was a divinity of thunder, lightning. Again, the element. We, we transport ourselves to the, the, the Phoenicians in time and space to the the eleventh, and you have and you know under the Semitic god Baal, right? Mm -hmm. Again, god of the sky, god of thunder, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. You go transport a little further back in time, and you have uh, divinities like uh, Enki, Enlil, and the the the, the main creator Anu, right? And you see that their roles and their energy. Right. If if you fast forward, if you if you like play the film really fast, you'll see that they basically come back to the one energy or the one the one signature of consciousness and mind, just right. over time and space, and mm -hmm. you know locality and people's Human interpretation of archetypes. Mm -hmm. Right. So. Right, and then that's what the Romans. And the Greeks did is they separated them. They completely separated them. And they said, this one is the mother of, and this one is the father of. And exactly. Zeus, the one is in charge of everything. And he's married to, and it's like, no, it's not like that at all. Mm -hmm. But it was Correct. the way they could understand it, right? And for them, the concept of a single deity was very foreign, right? 
Now, let me ask you a question. So in, in terms of the listing of the Slavic like for instance, one, one distinction, one sort of li delimiting uh, line you find in many cultures is, is for instance, you'll find that all the Orishas really conform, and in Vodun especially, all the Orishas in Vodun conform into, the, into five elements, fire, earth, water, air, and metal being sort of the hybrid of the other four. Okay. Did you find that's one division? Then the other division is the idea of a celestial versus an earthbound or an earth originating and God and or divinity. But I'm not finding that. I, I keep looking because everybody keeps talking about like a father God and mother earth, and I'm not finding that. What I am finding is that it's divided around the seasons. So mm -hmm. it's. The year is divided into two, summer and winter. We have a bright goddess mm -hmm. and a dark goddess, right? Or it's and also with, with the male deities too, right? Yeah. And it is in, in conjecture with, with the seasons, but also with the elements, right? Because when you look at Stribuk, winds, not, right? No, it's, it's really not the elements. Stribug is winds, but he's the winter winds. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's again, but, but, but we're but, dealing with an element in a different season. But, but, ahead, what about, but what about in, in, like, for instance, Teresa's logo, uh, when you have the, the god Veles being more earthbound and Pedal being more associated with the sky? Right. He's the summertime. But what wound up happening is we had just the two divisions. When people right. were, we had just the two divisions. Once we start agriculture, which is about 6,000 years ago, mm -hmm. then the, the year was divided up into three. And you can find in the academic sources where Germany, you know, the German concept, they at least wrote it down, is that it was mm -hmm. springtime, summertime, and wintertime. Okay. This mm -hmm. the idea of the triple goddess and we have the triple god, which once mm -hmm. you go looking for them, you can find it. So you have the springtime, Yarillo, mm -hmm. Lago. Anybody, anybody whose symbol is springtime and young and lover and whatnot, mm -hmm. that's all springtime. That the color associated with that is white. See, before it was just mm -hmm. white and black. Then we mm -hmm. have red and black. The summertime mm -hmm. is the the summertime is the mother. It is the harvest. Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, the, the father, was, and then it became the warrior because the war developed because we had possessions, we had food, we had grain, we had grain stores. Mm -hmm. That's when wars developed. And then mm -hmm. we have the winter time, which is the resting fallow time of the year. Mm -hmm. And it's a mm -hmm comes into the springtime again. The old crone mm -hmm. turns into the young maiden mm -hmm. goddess. But mm -hmm. then- And we have, and this is where, sorry for interjecting, but we have Mokosht, okay, which is the, the goddess of the wet, um, uh, the wet spring, right? Mokosht before the young Vesna, the goddess of spring. And it's it's it. They're sisters. They're considered sisters, not actual mothers, right. so to speak, because they're again it's seasonal 
and they're they're exchanging. It's one's leaving and the other one is coming into the season. So we have, right. you know, limited understanding around this this one turning into the other. And it's a cyclical seasonal for the for the Slavs, it's very much so in that way. There's the the thing that gets me again, and bringing it back to some of the 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 new Rodonovre groups, etc., trying to 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 associate with a single god. There was Rod and Rod only, you know, and it's like Rod just means um, the beginning of the year. Rod or or Rod again it's it's birthing right but it's not he's the end all be all god and that's unfortunately some of these slavic groups are turning that way because they're influenced by the by the catholic roots by the christian roots yeah. instead of looking further back before that right the rodnova groups are so focused on having a Sky Father, Earth Mother, because they so want to assimilate with Celtic, any other, you know, and I'm just picking on Celtic here, but anything else that looks at Sky Father, Earth Mother in so many other cultures where Slavs didn't really do that. They didn't have like the ultimate whatever. Now, what is interesting in some shamanic shamanic groups and, and shamans from, um, oh, the Molfars, they speak of um, there is an upper world, a middle world, and a lower world, okay? But in all of those worlds, there were different beings and there were different animals, but they were not, not one was above the other, like just because they were in the sky, you know, the upper world did not make them more superior to the ones in the middle world or the, the, the lower world. And the middle world was where we were, right? The lower world was the death. That was the change, the, the, the subterranean gods, right? Because again, we're always talking cyclical. And that's the difference with the Slavic uh, deities and the Slavic um, mythologies and pantheon. If you look at it, it's like you said, we look at seasons. We basically have three seasons, right? Yes. And that's how our deities are expressed. There's there's not one single god and you know mother. There's so many of them based on seasonal, right? Well, and they're divine, equal. It's a divine couple that go around the seasons. Absolutely. And they they're, have they're, they're equal. They They've have always types. been equal. Yeah. Right. The, there's no you know, the man dominating or the female. No, they work together. And this is how they did it. Because one being. They, right. There's and, a lot of stuff with the androgyny and, and um, talking about them being like twins and things. Yeah. And if you look at dancing alone, the Slavic dances, okay, both Hello. are very colorful. There's not just the, you know, the female is not the only, ooh, or the male is dressed. Both of them very colorful. And if you notice the dancing, they're very equal. They're par partnered. When they spin around, they're together. They're spinning together. 
there'll be moments where the female comes in and does her little dance, you know, and then the man comes along and goes, oh, look what I'm doing, look what I'm doing. You know, he's throwing his, air, his feet up in the air and everything, demonstrating his, you know, his, his, his might as the, the male in the relationship. But yeah. they always come together. And this is the thing that I always notice. A lot is expressed in Slavic culture. If you look at the Slavic culture and our traditions, a lot of our roots come from, the, from that. Yes, they're influenced by other cultures around and, of course, by trade, etc. You know, the, it, it, there's no escaping from that. But I think with answer to what you're saying, Jean-Jerome, there isn't one single source of where we say, where does everything come from, if I'm not mistaken. Right, Patricia? Yeah, and if you know, if, if, you, um, if you know, like, the globe, right, when, when you flatten out the globe, it gets distorted, Mm -hmm. so basically the same thing happened the cyclical thing got pasted onto the christian concept of a very linear timeline you don't exist until you do you pop yeah. into existence boom yeah based on this infinitesimal amount of time you spend on earth you get judged as to whether you go forever into heaven or forever into hell right yeah, so yeah. it becomes very bad death becomes a very bad thing because as soon as you die you you get mm -hmm. you got one place or the other forever whereas mm -hmm. with the loves it was cyclical you are reborn you you see this mm -hmm. and this was something i grasped as a little kid and then I saw this happening in the natural world. I saw the tree fall down. And I don't think it's as simple as your body pulls out of one vessel and pops into another vessel. I think it's mm -hmm. much more like the concept of the rain. You go back to the ocean and part of you might reform, but part of you might become part of another being. And I thought- Or decay. If you think of your body decaying and the mushrooms, remember, mushrooms are very almost sacred to Slavic people and picking the mushrooms, right? The association of the earth, again, returning to earth, to being buried, whatever. It's like you're picking up your ancestors and eating them in a sense, really, you know, and the, sorry, go ahead, John Jerome. Yeah, no, so just, just a question then, though, but so understanding you know the the concept we've explored a little bit the concept of archetypes and commonalities between cultures and all that now given the fact that for the last you know thousands to a couple thousand years history has essentially been written or rewritten and religions have been rewritten and mm -hmm. codified by the invading religion in which case mm -hmm. In this case, we talk primarily about the Catholic Church, the Christian, mm -hmm. and and to the fact that you know whether it be Ukrainian, Polish, uh, like the the not taking communism out of the loop, which then which destroys any belief or any 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 right. uh, religion. Period. But but in returning back to the you know to the to the to the faithful aspect. Um, how how in your research beyond basically finding uh, 
looking at these divinities and these deities and so how have you found the actual practice of the ancient religions of the, like how much of it is there do you find that there's been enough preserved that people are actually you know is there a resurgence or an attempt at either reconstructionism or resurgence or beginning now to say you know as you said earlier people mm -hmm. The Yoruba were, were also guilty of the same thing. The word has a lot of power. We can't write down the word, right? The idea of writing stuff down was, in many cases, it was taboo for hundreds of thousands of years or thousands of years. Then they started to realize, you know what? Actually, writing down is actually a good thing. And writing down actually is what preserves the culture when you have major mm -hmm. shifts, right, from... Uh, migration or by slavery or or different types of war, Holocaust, famine, uh, climate change, or what have you. And the only way to to preserve those traditions is to codify. Um, you know, the same thing happened with Norse uh, religions or mm -hmm. Norse belief systems. <clears throat> the Christianity, the Christians were busy writing everything down, and many of the authors, historians, were all Christian in in Nigeria. Samuel Samuel Jack what was uh, Johnson Samuel Johnson was a uh, an Anglican priest essentially and he began mm -hmm. and he began to write things from the narrative of the invading belief system which was Christianity that's why mm -hmm. to this day something a figure so important in the celestial order of things like Eshu is still you know, sort of syncretized as some sort of demonic and evil and Satan. Because mm -hmm. they couldn't understand the concept. That, that's a hell of a PR campaign. So mm -hmm. are you, have you found that, you know, Slavs and your research, I don't know if you've had the contact or in the, are beginning to sort of shed this, these shackles or these mental, you know, chains of Christianity and any other belief system to really not just read about it, not just curiosity, not just as an academic, but to really connect with and practice the ancient ways. Uh, I think Rod Novry, from what I can see of Rod Novry, they're trying, but they fall back into the rut of the Christian mindset. And yeah. I do have, the reason why we find so many similarities is we did all once believe the same thing. But in the Christian religion, you notice they start with the power of the word. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. Not say the name. The name of Jehovah was lost because they don't say the name of Jehovah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? You're just guessing it's Jehovah or Yahweh. Mm -hmm. so, Thing. They had the same beliefs. Angels are the same as the Vila, are the same as the, mm -hmm. the Valkyrie. They're all winged beings that were mm -hmm. servants of deity. The Anunnaki. The Anunnaki, yeah. The Tengu, the Tengu in Japan. Mm -hmm. I have I've tried not to get into Japan and <laughs> the Orient. <laughs> um, I, I've been around. Yeah, I have to, I, you know. <laughs> I'd go mad yeah, if I... You stuck to Slavic. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I can see, you know, like I can see bits and pieces. But I can see that the 
we were once joined, but they chopped off the female bit. They made it into the, the male controlling. There's still pieces in the Bible that talk about Asherah, that talk about the female bit. There, there's still bits in the Bible, and you can find them. And they talk about the worship of pole, the Slavic pole, mm-hmm. the urban soul. The, they oh, have the, the urban soul. Urban soul is German. The, the the pole that connects. Uh, what did you call it in Polish? How did you say it? It's German. Ermensul. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Say it again. I, I didn't hear it. Ermensul. Starts yeah. with an oh, Okay. I hear it. Like, like the, the tree of life, you mean like Igrisil almost. And the tree of life is the tree Perfect. in the Garden of Eden. And the yeah. serpent is the serpent, but they turned it into evil because you can't trust your intuition. You can't trust the Kundalini uh, Kundalini awakening. You know, you have to go with their hierarchy. So a lot of similarities, they can, they, they're sort of circling back and they're finding the similarities because we were once all the same. Mm -hmm. Right. But the Rodnovri group are the only ones that are 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 reconstructing Slavic um, paganism to a no, degree, right? They and they're doing Lithuanian and uh, they're what? Runvera is in Lithuanian. They're doing a better job. They they definitely are Romuva. much more. Romuva and Romuva okay. and Lithuania have never stopped doing uh, their pagan uh, roots. The Mari people, the Slavic Mari people, have never stopped, you know, practicing their pagan roots, right? So there are certain pockets of Slavic people who continually do their belief system according to how they've always done them for centuries, for millennia, right? Um yeah. But the there are reconstruction groups like like you were saying, Patricia, the Rodnovy, um in Poland that I know of. That I like where they're getting some of the information in that. But again, it was that one article that we had I had posted, and you had mentioned that it's and I go, yeah, I know. But I liked what they were talking about the kolo the the kolorvat the 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 wheel right and how they had described it right so there there are groups jean jerome that are trying and they are getting some information and they are trying to base it now where they're getting this information the mythology and everything do you know patricia where these groups like the rodnove are getting their information are they coming to North America to look for for some of the the stuff. Let's say you researched or that Olga Olga Stanton again from Magpie's. Um, uh, what's what's her Facebook page? Because I quote her a lot. She's a wealth of information. Magpie's Corner. Yeah, she's wonderful. Magpie's Corner, right? Um, she really knows her her. Slavic uh, mythologies, okay? So they're really looking to the Slavic mythologies to lead them into their practices or these newfound um, um, pagan practices, right? But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know of any other From fairy tales and and traditions and and things. We have uh, 
I don't know how to pronounce it, but Asenaf, it's a Russian name. There was two, two Russian researchers that really made a lot of progress. Uh, okay. And they were still, they were pre Gambudis. So they weren't thinking very okay. female oriented. They were still in that patriarchal mindset. So they really had a hard time getting past that. And I think that's mm -hmm. kind of where that concept of Rod came from and all. Yeah. Yeah. To the bird goddess, she's Mother Goose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. and the pagan priests were in the towns, and the towns got taken over by the Christianity. The pagan priests were, were kicked out, and they became these traveling minstrels and performers, the ones with the dancing mm -hmm. bears, because the bears were sacred and would do healing mm -hmm. ritual. And they mm -hmm. would come back to the towns, and they would lead the festivals that had to get done because mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. the is, you know, the natural mm -hmm. things aren't going to happen. So all of their things got hidden in tales, got hidden in the fairy tales mm -hmm. that we have. So that's one of my other books is called The Man, uh, the, the Prince with the Golden Hand. And it's a fairy tale and it's designed for a young reader but it's got a lot of information in there for adults because mm -hmm. it's a Baba telling her grandchildren this fairy tale. Mm -hmm. When the little brother goes to sleep, she tells the real story behind the fairy tale mm -hmm. to her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. okay. It's about what those, those things are that they hid in that. And I had someone commented on our, on our Facebook group, where he's like, oh, all of this really shaped my childhood, but I didn't realize, mm -hmm. shaped my childhood, really shaped my viewpoint, but I didn't realize that this was actually the pagan teachings, but it still mm -hmm. influenced how he thought. Mm -hmm. And, and that, you know, the other, sorry, and the other thing that you hit upon there is the, the way we, practice our traditions is the festivals. So yeah. when you talk about practicing, we still honor our traditional um, festivals, like right now, Dojinki, we're going into the fall festival. And then when we go into the winter festival, then there's the 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 whole concept of, um, oh, what do they call it? Um, oh, man, it's gonna really bother me. Do you remember Patricia? the the singing where they'd go and they sing from song to song uh from house to house and it was singing christmas carols but they weren't before christianity they did this and it was a way of celebrating light um again you know being able to 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 share food right and this the sharing of food the sharing of the light is coming. It was a, it was more of a light festival. So the it practices them. It was the new it, year, and the new year was celebrated in the spring, but then it got mm -hmm. picked in the winter time. So they had to sort of adapt. They had right. they translated. But it was the whole idea of festivals, and the practices are in the actual traditional festivals that that happen during the year so like winter was celebrated spring was celebrated right fall was celebrated and it was through the the actual traditional 
you know, observances of how to bury your dead, how, how they were birthed, what the, how they were named. So, yeah, to answer your question, Jean-Jerome, there really isn't anything other than this is continually a tradition. What you're looking at, the reconstruction type groups, we have Rodnovori, but there are some groups that have never stopped, if that Wait, answers your question, if you know what I mean. Um, which basically means old believer. And that was the uh, one fellow I connected with there. Um, he, he comes from a family that was hereditary old believers. And they passed these things down. The ancient Well, the Sheptuche, right? The Sheptuche witches, the Polish witches, right? Um, which were your old cunning women, right? And they combined a lot of, um, you know, they took Christianity into their own ways and belief systems. And it was how they practiced their healings. Yes. But they also had different systems of poles. You know, they used your basic, you know, wax dripping into water. Um, I think there was even mercury into water. There was um, other forms of scrying. Yes. Lead. Okay. Bean divination okay. is a big But there were other forms of inventory uh, tools that they used, right? So, yeah, I, I don't really see that there was, you know, that now the practices, you know, what you're looking for, Jean-Jerome, if there's any sort of classical practices other than the observances that are, are on an individual basis at, during, um, during uh, festivals and the families and how they observe them right? Unfortunately, they're greatly influenced by the Christian faith, right? But if you look a little bit deeper, there's right. stories underneath. Them. Right. And, and I think that gives me an advantage in when I'm going into the culture, things that they take for granted stand out like a neon sign for me. So when I went over mm -hmm. to Poland and I'm seeing next to the altar that there's a pine branch in a bucket of water that they use to asperge people with i'm like mm -hmm. that vegan. <laughs> you know whereas it wouldn't mm -hmm. occur and so i started talking to my um i had a guide there who was also lemko she spoke lemko mm -hmm. and, and russian and english and um i'm like well tell me some of your m magical kind of beliefs and she's like i don't know I'm like, I started telling her things. And that, that was like, she's like, oh, because I said the red embroidery. The red is the color of life. The symbols on the blouse, it protects the torso. It protects, it, it forms a, a line across here. It gives you strength on your arms. It uh, mm -hmm. goes mm -hmm. across the hem and it protects, magically protects your torso. Um from illness and so forth. And she's, and, and I said, you know, the red, red thread is a, a vitality. Life. And she says, mm -hmm. Oh, that's why we always tie a red thread onto the baby's wrist when they're born. I'm like, yeah, mm -hmm. that's well, the I'm looking for. <laughs> uh, and, many, and many other cultures, it's for the evil eye as well. And yeah. with every culture, the red, the red thing is not so much like it's, it's to ward off any evil eye. 
Ah, interesting. Child, that is the main reason across almost every culture, whether from Africa, Europe, Italy, everywhere. The red is not from, it's, it's basically because the, the mm -hmm. evil eye, alocchio, is the same Italian, or juburuku is something mm -hmm. that is said that if a, if a woman or man, but primarily the woman sees a child recently born with bad eyes, the child can die prematurely. Mm -hmm. Yes. But right. we're just saying the color red and its significance in the Slavic culture. Yeah. No, no, I agree. That's but the, when you tie it to the wrist of a child, in 99.9% .9 mm -hmm. of the child uh, at the time, just to ward off uh, evil eye magic and all that, 99.9% mm -hmm. .9 of the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so mm -hmm. influences. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, Ooh, absolutely. No, so mm -hmm. divination wise, I mean, we're we're coming up to two hours, so I don't want to abuse your time uh, too much, Patricia. But we don't have necessarily like a hard hard cap on the show, especially when the topics are so interesting and so vast. <laughs> mm -hmm. But in, in terms of divination, I mean, if we look at mo many of the uh, of the uh, indigenous belief systems and everything else. Shamanic, especially, you know, if we look at Ifa, if we look at Vodun, if we look at Nkisi, if we look at, the, you know, the Tuva, if we look at the Sangoma, we look at all of these. One of the things that basically allows them to maintain a certain independence and break the, the shackles of dogmatic belief systems or other people's opinions or, or other people's faith is the aspect of divination is that aspect of being able to divine, to have that direct communication with the spirit world without having to go through another intermediary or somebody else's you know, PR person, like a priest, a, a Catholic priest mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. imam or, or a rabbi. Said, In other words, you have the connection as a priest yourself. You have the connection with your spirit. You have the connection with your spiritual guides with those very gods and goddesses that you described. Because for us, it is... If the Orisha doesn't speak, or if we can't communicate with the Orisha, the Orisha is not there. Like that is mm -hmm. one of the tests. Like when we give a, a, a power, when we consecrate an icon, what gives it life, what makes it a living, breathing, you know, entity that has impact and influence in your life and can guide your destiny in your life is its ability to communicate. So is that, have you found that what are the divination modalities that are are available or that still survive you know in in you know the places you've studied and in the different groups you've studied there's uh it would be two different kinds one where you're saying that anybody can tap into the divine will mm -hmm. and one that would be tended to be just more trained priests and priestesses and so forth. Right. So you see it in, uh, they talk about the priesthood, they would sleep underneath the oak tree and the rustling of the oak leaves would tell them what they needed to know. One of the other methods was to take your, your magical staff and divide up the sky into sections. And then if a bird flew into such and such a section, you would have your answer because the birds knowing mm -hmm. these sort of things, they right. would mm -hmm. divine message. Then you had methods that were used by 
anybody, which is your tea leaves, or later on was the coffee ground. They, they do the mm -hmm. Turkish uh, coffee ground divination. Turkish, right. yeah, the Turkish Those, coffee. Whatever patterns, so it's the same with the lead in the water or the, the uh, beeswax in the water, that's one of them. The other, one of the other really interesting ones I found was beans, because beans from the Proto-Indo-European word, we can tell that, that beans are, are really connected to the spirit world. And in, in the Romans and Greeks, um, there was, I think it was like Aristotle or somebody, one of these famous, you know, philosophers, he would not eat beans because he felt like he was gonna be taking in a soul or something accidentally. Yeah, so hmm. beans were a very um, good way of divination. And there's uh, there's two sources that, that have these really complex methods of divination with the beans. Um, and I have those written down hmm. in my books eventually that will, will come out. But, but do you find a pocket, like for instance, I know because I've, <laughs> have, there are probably some watching in the show. In Romania, for instance, you have um, a lot of the, the gypsy Romani who yeah. do divination through cards against some of the same instruments or things you've defined. But to the point where there's so many of them doing it that it's become like a counter to the point where even uh, many cases, the uh, Orthodox or the, the the Christian churches, Catholic churches or Orthodox churches, you know, sort of have them, you know, in their sights, but don't intervene because it's become such a powerful movement mm -hmm. in in Romania for good and bad. I mean, you know, people like anything else, they use things for good or bad, but yeah. at least there's a certain you know difference to. Yes, this exists. Yes, these are ancestral type, you know, traditions, mm -hmm. and they work, right? The idea of it that it works, right? That if you speak truth, mm -hmm. if you got it from mm -hmm. the oak tree, the birds in the sky, the leaves, I don't care how you do it. The, what counts is what comes out of your mouth. Do you speak truth, or do mm -hmm. you speak, you know, not not truth, right? Can you see in the future, or can you not see the future, right? So, like that, those are the sort of the litmus test for the survival mm -hmm. of belief systems and geomancies and other things mm -hmm. is that ability mm -hmm. to be accurate mm -hmm. and to be, you know, precise and to have that authority when you speak. You, as you say, when you speak, that's why we say when we consult Ifa, when the Babalao speaks and interprets the old Ifa that has fallen, we speak with authority. We don't guess, we don't, you know, you know, take a while. No, we speak with authority. Even things that have not have yet to come to pass, or things that have passed in the van that people don't even know. We speak with and mm -hmm. that's been probably the single biggest thing that keeps our belief system alive and and thriving, mm -hmm. right? It's so, mandatory. Is, yeah, is is that I, I'm I'm reaching here because I'm 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 I would nothing would give me more pleasure to know that with all your research that you found that there's a resurgence of that, really that, that those gifted people that can really see, they can really divine, they can really commune, they can really heal, they can really, you know, that really invoke, not just 
read about, but invoke those divinities, work with those divinities, that they understand the mystic and the, the magical aspects and the metaphysical aspects of those divinities, right? I, I the think Mofars, of, the uh, yeah, Mofars. Basorka is sort of the same thing as a Mofar. A Mofar it's, is in yes, the Basorkas in the Hutsuls. And the Basorka would be in the Lemkos. And the, so the Sheptuhid of the Belarus people, the Belarusian uh, people. So there are the old ones. Yeah. So, yeah. They so, see they can they can do the divination. Yeah. They are they are tapping into the same thing. Uh, I see it with the herbs and people working with the herbs, and that's something that uh, resonates with me. And I do it through dreams. That that's mm -hmm. definitely I, I connect the best. And that's the other aspect that Slavs have very common is through dreams. And right. as you know, Jean Giraud, my mother and my mother's mother, dream interpretation, right? Yeah. So one of, one of the best uh, books on dream interpretation. Unfortunately, I don't speak the language, but I, I get the the mother of my. Uh, sometimes I would get the mother of my daughters uh, to translate. Uh, the best book in terms of dream interpretation I ever found was written in Bulgarian. Oh, cool. Ah. Nice. Very, very, well, very well. To find someone to, know, to, so, to, find, to translate, and, yes. And, and Teresa has also has inherited her mom's Polish dream book, which is also very much on the money. How wonderful. And, interpretation. Very, yeah, very and it's all in dream interpretation yeah. in Polish, right? So there's... Oh. There's that aspect, right? So, I don't know, Patricia. There's there's the old people, right? The Lemkos, the the Mofars, the Sheptuhi. Yeah. Um, they practice the old ways, you know. It's it, almost dying off, right? Um, uh, I don't think so. I think it's so no? interwoven. A lot of times, it's yeah. so interwoven with their life that they do it without even realizing it's pagan you know like they do it as it's just what they've always done found, right it's that they've always done it and there's so much stuff i've found that's woven into the beliefs of the saints and all that that i yeah. can see this is all pagan i can mm -hmm. trace it back um to the deities like they're just worshiping the deity under mm -hmm. the name of the yeah. that of the deity, you know, the maiden goddess kind of aspect yeah. to work. Right. So, Jean Jerome, is there anything else that you had wanted no. to ask, or, or no? Or I think I think in the interest of time, we've 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 right. taken a lot of Patricia's up, but there are just some comments and slash mostly comments. I just want to post up okay, and sure. read. Um, Anita Allen had said, things like this are why I believe in all things being aspects or facets of the divine. I think is what mm -hmm. we talked about, the, the different honorary mm -hmm. names or aspect names. The information interpreted through the people's knowledge at the time, uh, same teaching, different accents. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I guess at one point, uh, the concept of the serpent, the Kundalini serpent. Mm-hmm. 
when we were talking about those archetypes and the beliefs of Cal is absolutely correct. And then Anita again said, absolutely. We create God in our own image, our things or things we are familiar with. We limit it so as not to be frightened by it and believe it in facets because the greater whole, the divine itself is too vast for a four dimensional mind to wrap itself around. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you, Anita. Very succinct. And then Eric uh, Eldritch uh, said, great food for thought in terms of our discussions. Uh, mm -hmm. Annie Fox said, my DNA is 79.5% Eastern European, highly like match Poland, like match Ukraine, Slovakia, possible match Czech Republic, Hungary, Russia. Only finding out a few years ago that I am Lenko from another relative that found me. Nice. So Annie Fox. Nice. And then uh, Vianney says, in Mexico, the red thread is put on the baby's forehead to ward off hiccups. That's cool. But ah, Vianney, if you're listening, if you're listening, the reason, because hiccups, very much like when people sneeze, when a child was hiccuping, or when an adult is sneezing, it is believed that the spirit is exposed or leaving the body. And the, the red, the and the red uh, thing on the forehead was to basically prevent that or some evil spirit to catch the eye and take advantage of that moment to take possession. Mm -hmm. Ask mm -hmm. your mom, Vianney, or ask your grandparents, because that's very old in Mexico. <laughs> Uh, Annie Fox, I have been searching for this for so long. Thank you so much, everyone, especially Patricia, for inviting me. Nice. All right. So, Teresa, before I, I make some special mentions and announcements, do you, is there anything you want to wrap up with or a question you want to finish with? No, other than I know that uh, Patricia has got uh, a book, a new book out. Patricia's also written other books, which we will have a link to Patricia's. Um, uh, do you have a website, Patricia? I, or an author page, and that has listed all my books on Amazon.com. Where? Sorry. Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Give me two sex. Give me two sets. Let me just by putting your your by just typing the author's name, right? We'll give the 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 list yeah. of your books, right? But also your your um your Facebook page is the Roots of Slavic Magic. The Roots and, of Slavic Magic. Yeah, and if you ask to join, I ask two questions, and you got to answer both questions to uh, to get added to the page. Uh, one in particular is, do you um, agree, you know, do you understand the inherent worth of all people, regardless of nationality and sexuality? And the reason I ask that, and I ask it in that manner, is if you don't understand that, you won't actually understand the stuff that I'm teaching. It's right. It's not. It's not to be PC, it's not to be polite it, or anything like that. It's you're not going to grasp the stuff mm -hmm. that, I'm, that I'm teaching on that page. And uh, I feel like as 
as a shaman who is serving a community, that is my community. And I have a responsibility to, to have ethical people, to not have, you know, to not give a knife to a baby and have them wield that knowledge without absolutely yeah okay no absolutely and i think that's and given in the world we live in right now and the current you know social cultural concepts uh mm -hmm. that we live in uh and in context that we live in i think it's very important to reinforce that right and annie fox thank you for for posting yeah. that Thank you, Annie. Okay. So I would be again, as our tradition, remiss. Oh yes. Uh, if I did not uh, do a special shout out to one of our most Two. loyal viewers, and now joined <laughs> by his little sister. Oh. Uh, uh, give me one second as I pull up the image. <laughs> Facebook is getting really slow, so everybody's basically like uh, clamoring on the system. Um, Our mascots yeah. <laughs> of the show. Yeah, so Mojo. There's Mojo watching us. Mojo watching us every show. Oh, that's so and cute. He watches diligently. He watches our show, and now he got his sister to... <laughs> To basically uh, join the sh to join the act, and now we have the two siblings. He's sleeping. <laughs> so, but Mojo is definitely you know still. Gets the, he gets he gets the prize for Jillian. Yes, little Mojo and his sister, little Titi Leo. Oh my God, she's it's adorable. <laughs> it's past their bedtime, but they stayed up to watch the show every time. <laughs> so, so, a special shout out to uh, Beth, which is the 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 mother of these two little furry children. Mojo uh, and Titi. Mojo, is my my soon to be. Awolobo, my little godson. <laughs> <laughs> so he's so uh, cute. I got a chance to meet him actually, and he's just the sweetest little thing. He really, really is. I just love him. He's he's very, and so is Titi. Both of them are very, very sweet. And uh, uh, Ayanifa. Yeah. Thank you. She's a Buddha boy. boy. A really interesting. And then uh, she made a comment on uh, uh, Laugh Out Loud Mojo. Yeah. <laughs> so, Patricia, thank you very, very much. It's been a very, I mean, we could yeah. speak for hours. There's so I much, absolutely, so much to cover. And uh, again, as I mentioned to you, I, I do extend an invitation. Uh, to to work you know collaboratively in terms of com some comparative areas and bounce ideas off in terms of some research we're doing as well and uh, I'm fascinated by your areas of research and I, I again we like with Claudia and, and other of our past guests mm -hmm. any opportunity to share knowledge 
to exchange ideas, to be able to have a round table, uh, you know, on certain topics and discussions and, and share our findings uh, is definitely something I, I would love to, to extend uh, to you. And again, welcome to the Ancestralized family. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate it. Patricia's part of the family. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we have many long conversations. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, we've. Of course, and I, I, I'm looking forward to them, of course, Patricia. So I want to thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and, and just making it, you know, what it is. And, and I love talking to you and, and sharing ideas, et cetera, and sharing the knowledge and our heritage together. So thank you ever so much for doing and, that. And I just want to make one announcement, our, our show and our guests for next week. So next, next week, week, because... Our, our guest is joining us from uh, England, and because of the time difference, we're going to air live on Facebook on Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time because of the time difference. And our guest is going to be Angela Puca, who is a PhD candidate in Italian shamanism and pagan religions and belief systems, not just in Italy, but in Europe. And she has a, uh, a podcast on YouTube, uh, YouTube channel, which she calls Angela Symposium, uh, which is right. constantly looking at different belief systems, different modalities, asking some of the questions about, you know, the survival and the, the practice of, of pagan religions in different parts of the world. Mm -hmm. Also looking mm -hmm. at, you know, uh, magic, esotericism, mm -hmm. uh, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, just again, a special mm -hmm. note: we're going to be on live next Saturday at eleven a.m. September nineteenth. September nineteenth. Thank you. September nineteenth, eleven a.m. Eastern, as opposed to September eighteenth, eight p.m. as our new usual time slot. So, thank you everybody right. for your kind attention. And uh, yes. oh, 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 and very important: we we cannot adjourn the show. A special prayer for all those who passed on September 11th. We did the show on September 11th. Absolutely. We would be remiss not Absolutely. to have a moment of, of Thank you, for the souls that perished in September 11th, for their families who survived them, for all the souls of people suffering around the world from famine, from war, from fires, as in California, you know, many people losing Absolutely. their lives to, to uh, wildfires. And the animals. And to the, the animals, fauna. all the animals, the fauna, nature itself. To all those, uh, you know, they're victims of war, abuse, mm -hmm. uh, slavery of any kind. Uh, uh, again, abuse of by race, color, creed, uh, gender orientation. Mm -hmm. We need to love each other a bit more. Look for those commonalities. Look for Absolutely. what brings us together. Respect ourselves. Not, respect our neighbors. Respect Mother Earth and respect our ancestral inheritance and our ancestral spiritual mm -hmm. guides. Mm -hmm. So uh, just uh, a special prayer and uh, you know, a moment of reflection and remembrance, remembrance of the, those uh, victims of September 11th and, and the ensuing wars and battles that came mm -hmm. from them. So. Absolutely. So many blessings to everyone. Peace mm -hmm. be with you all. Halafia Shiani. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, shalom, salam aleikum, peace be with you all, shalom, in any language, in any religion, in any faith, 
main thing is be good to one another, have respect for one another, have respect mm -hmm. for the divine and have respect for mother nature. And thank you again, Patricia, for joining us. Yes, thank you. Thank you, and everybody. Signing off. Signing off. Good night. Good night, everybody. Good night. All right. Jean Jerome.